so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. To me, which coming up in just a few minutes, it makes me really sad to share with you that when I talk about theft from the elderly, so often it's a family member stealing from an elderly relative. I'll fill you in on what you need to look out for. And coming up later, if you like watching local channels and that's why you've stayed with satellite or cable, I got great news for you about a way you can get local channels that's very reliable, dependable, and free. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is our bargain site. And our deal diggers are working overtime in this last week before Christmas finding deals for you as you're out and about trying to find what you need for the people on your nice list. Or maybe you buy for people on your naughty list too. That's up to you. So here's an early Christmas gift for you. If you like to eat breakfast out, which has become the thing, you know, people used to eat, okay, so all the unhealthy food groups, they'd eat Pop-Tarts, cereal, um, grab some kind of package something and go out the door. That's right. People who eat breakfast aren't exactly looking for the healthiest thing usually. But now more and more, people are eating breakfast away from home. And two companies dominate breakfast. And we meet before the show and I ask my crew, what places dominate breakfast? Two in particular are way ahead of everybody else. And it was really interesting how many places people shouted out that were not the ones that are dominant. The two that really dominate breakfast and account for almost half of breakfast purchases are McDonald's and Starbucks. And everybody else wants a piece of that. You know, you may have heard a couple of months ago that Wendy's is going to make their umpteenth try at selling breakfast. This time they say they really mean it and they're going to do it everywhere and all that. The reality is, as we turn to the new year, there's going to be so much competition for your breakfast attention and your breakfast dollar that we're going to have discounting galore through next year. I mean, we're going to have deal after deal after deal if getting breakfast out and away from home is your thing. You are going to really want to pay attention to what's available at your favorite places app because it used to be newspaper coupons. But I'm like the last person in the world who still gets an actual newspaper. So the way these discounts are coming or in the apps of your favorite place normally. That's where you're going to see them. So if that's something that interests you having breakfast at a particular spot, why not get it at a lower price? Or be tempted by another place you go to less frequently with the deals they may be offering on breakfast. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. Hello, sir. How are you? Great. Thank you, Chris. So you have... How many children? I have four of them. 
That's a lot of children. It, it makes an interesting household. Right. How often is something going on and you call a kid the wrong name and then have to correct Every, yourself? Daily. So I have three kids and they all make fun of me that I do that, that, that I'll I, turn to one of them and call them do. the wrong name. I just remind them that eventually it'll happen to them. <laughs> well, you want to do something nice for your kids, though, so they shouldn't be laughing at you or me. I, I, I do. Um, on your site, you list Ohio's 529 plan as, as one of the better plans. Um, my question, though, is in regards to that and having four children, should I have a, a, an individual 529 for each kid, or can I have a single 529 that I disperse for all four children? The, the book answer is you cannot. You have to have a plan for each child. But I'll tell you what a lot of people do if you've got some age spread between your children or among your children. Uh, tell me, um, are they stair steps or how close together uh, they're, in age? They're, they're, it's 12, 8, 10, and 5. Yeah, so you would want four 529 plans. Okay. But, but you would tilt the money in them to the oldest child, where you'd give yeah. more to the oldest child, you said who's 12 and the youngest 12, is five, 12. is that what you said? Yes, sir. So what people will do is they'll put more towards the oldest and kind of scrimp on the youngest because if the oldest doesn't need all the money, you can change the beneficiary designation in that 529 plan to any of the other three. But in your case okay. with 121085, is that what you said? You rattled that off pretty quickly. Yes, sir. Okay. So you would definitely want to have a 529 account for the uh, 12, 10, and 8. Because they're so close together, there will even be a point at which all three might be in college at the same time. True. So you have the option later with the five-year-old of just moving money to the five-year-old, not by moving the money, but by changing which what's the name of the child the money's for. Um, hypothetically, if, if I were to do that, could I, and say my two oldest graduated, could I convert two of them to that youngest child you sure could great or you could i mean you could change if the first two graduate and have money they don't need you could change one of them to the eight-year-old and the other one to the five-year-old i mean you can do any kind of combination like that and under most plan rules once a year you can change that beneficiary so you have enough flexibility okay. to do it if you don't want to deal with four plans i mean the advantage of not dealing with four plans is let's say one of the kids doesn't even decide to go to college true and so it makes it simpler if you in your case if you had more age spread among your kids like i do you might only need two 529 plans but in your case you at least need three okay and with the ohio plan you know, I had very specific recommendations where to invest the money in the plan. Yes, sir. Okay. So as long as you do that, you're going to be in really good, reasonably priced choices. Thank you very much. Right. Best to you. And um, I'm impressed that you can handle four kids that close together in age. <laughs> it's fun.
Mine are 30, 20, and 14. So I've got, it's like I have three only children. And if you ever saw the three of them when we're all together vying for attention, I mean, it's really funny. Jim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. Hey, how are you today? Great. Thank you, Jim. Your wife has a, has a business. Good to talk to you. Your wife has a business that I hear people talk about that they have a business on Etsy from time to time. What does she yeah. do on there? She sells bracelets. And she designs them and then sells them there? Correct. Correct. So sometimes you'll get individuals. Sometimes she'll get larger orders because she um, also supplies for fundraisers to get larger bulk orders. And so in this particular case, um, someone has reached out to her asking about a larger online order and they're asking for her to complete a W-9, which I know is not all that unusual, but since we file on a Schedule C, I guess we're a little concerned about how we protect ourselves giving her social security number to someone we don't know. So they're doing a schedule. Uh, so you have a, a C corp, not an S corp? Or no, do we you file just... on the Schedule C. Oh, okay. So on the 1040, yeah. So All right. it's not incorporated. So it's not incorporated. So there's no problem with her giving the social. Right. The only problem is we, you know, we don't know the person who is contacting us. Oh, and so, what are the so you're worried number. it might be somebody who's engaged in identity theft? Could be. We're giving out our social security number to someone we don't know. and our Right, family, right. Our residents. And so we're just wondering if there's some way we can protect ourselves without. Wow. You know, I, okay. So I deal with identity theft questions every day. And I never, as you were asking this question, I never thought of that angle. I was processing, you know, how you'd handle it with taxes and all that. And, you know, when you get that tax form in the mail next year, and I, I completely missed what an interesting angle is using this as a ruse to engage in identity theft. Well, if it's a big enough organization that they would want her to fill out a W-9 and have her social security number, can't you track down information about who the buyer is and see if they are a legit ongoing organization? I'm sure we can. I guess we're just trying to figure out a way to do it tactfully, saying, you know, we don't know if we believe who you say you are. Uh, so, you know, we need to know the company that you're with. We need to verify, you know, you're an employee. We just didn't know if there was a simple way to go about protecting ourselves while giving out her social security right. so number. They haven't, even, they haven't even disclosed who they are yet, and they're asking you for this? Um, through Etsy, they contact her through uh, an online form, and then they can correspond back and forth that way. And they're saying before they will place an order they need her to fill out a W-9 form. So um, if they had placed the order, we would feel a little bit better about right, it. Right, right, right. I'm with you. I think that makes yeah. perfect sense that uh, it's it's probably quite appealing having a significant order come their way, but you don't even know the company name? I'm sure we could get it. I'm sure she could go back and say, what you know, what college are you with? What department are you with? But they're saying that they cannot submit the order without having the W-9 because they have to present it to their 
Yeah, so uh, I think, I think it's completely reasonable, and I'm impressed that you were worried about this identity theft angle. Completely reasonable to ask some questions. And if somebody's offended by that, then um, I don't know what to say to that. I think that everybody is aware of the issues involved with pretexting where somebody pretends to be something they're not in order to steal personal information. So I think it is a reasonable request to ask for more information on who they are. And I'm guessing the reason that they're asking for this is so they can issue a 1099 would be the only, you know, because really all you're doing is validating your social security number on that form. It's an IRS form, you know. Right. So I'm not sure other than issuing a 1099 why they would even need yeah, that. So I'll tell you, I get a number of 1099s each year from my various corporate entities. And then uh, there are some of them that, like I had one this past year that was actually a tax-free event, but it had to be reported on the return and then backed out with a credit. And so it added some extra work because they had issued a 1099. There are any of a number of different circumstances involved with 1099s, but you draw up a circumstance where you don't know who those people really are. So I'm with you that even at risk of offending somebody and losing the order, you ask the right questions. Today's Clark Rageous moment is something that really tears at me. That's when an elderly person is ripped off by a family member or friend. It is something that happens way too often, and it's the topic of today's Clark Rageous moment. Rip-offs. Outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. There's a report from the AARP about financial exploitation and, unfortunately, how often it is by family members, friends, caregivers, something like that. So when an elderly person is targeted, according to AARP research, the average amount taken from somebody from financial exploitation is shocking, $120,000. Maybe not all in one fell swoop, but over time. When money is taken from somebody's bank account, the average amount taken is just under $50,000. One-third of the people who have money ripped off from them, are 80 years old and older. There are any of a number of circumstances with the dynamics of a family where a family member would take advantage of an aging relative. And I think about how as we close in on Christmas, throughout the holidays, a lot of times families together when they're not otherwise, if you are the adult child of an aging parent, You want to be nosy. You want to know what's going on. If you notice that an aging relative is maybe getting forgetful or doesn't quite seem as sharp as he or she used to be, you need to really step up the effort to know what's going on. You know, this kind of financial exploitation has become so much easier as families spread around the country. And a lot of times adult children are scattered away from 
where they grew up, where mom and dad or mom or dad are, and you get out of touch. So when you're home for a visit during the holidays, please know what's going on as best you can, because you don't want to be in a position where you were woulda, coulda, shoulda, shoulda done something, and after the money's gone, absconded with by a family member, friend, or caregiver, or whatever, it's past too late almost always to get that money back. So please remember to be nosy and ask questions. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day and night. We serve you every day of the year except Christmas Day, but you know right now we're working around the clock to bring you the best deals for last-minute Christmas shopping. So people in massive numbers now are doing what's called cutting the cord. They're canning having TV from the cable monopoly or the satellite companies. In some places you can get TV from the monopoly local phone company, but generally um, people have been paying huge money getting pay television from any of the traditional players. And your neighbors may have said, forget it. And they've gone to streaming, of which there are so many streaming products that what they offer and what they charge changes all the time. The biggest change in this past year in 2019 is how many services now are free. That's right, free, where you don't pay for the content they make available. But one thing that's been a roadblock for a lot of cheapskates is getting local channels. And that's what's kept people captive to the cable monopoly, the phone monopoly, or one of the satellite players. Well, the great news is something that I talked about back when it was really just experimental, is adding cities steadily around the country, and that's LOCAST, L-O-C-A-S-T dot org, that now uh, covers, I guess it's more than half the population of the United States can get LOCAST, and with LOCAST.org, it's a nonprofit that provides a streaming service for local channels. So if you live where you don't want to put an antenna up or you live in an apartment or condo, you can't put an antenna up. And with one of those that hooks to a TV, you can't get a good signal. Now with lowcast.org, you're able to get those local channels right on your TV as a streaming kind of product. So you get the local ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, and a lot of places, you're going to get the public television, and you get a lot of channels that you didn't even know were available locally because the cable monopoly and the satellite companies didn't even give them to you, but you'll have them with Locast. And it's yet another way that being able to watch TV in a modern way is available to you. 
And this is going to get easier and easier than the traditional cable bundle and satellite bundle. It's going to be so last century. It's just going to be so done because it's so much more efficient and so much cheaper for you to be able to watch TV over streaming. I think about, I was watching a football game at home and I had to leave the house and friend was driving. I was terrible company in the car, but I then started watching TV on my phone and I just kept watching the game and maybe I shouldn't because team I was pulling for lost. But anyway, I, I had continuous motion with the, with television that is something that only Johnny come lately, the traditional pay TV providers are starting to do. So again, locast.org, L-O-C-A-S-T.org. See if it's available in your area and they explain how it works for you. Uh, Cicely is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Clark? Great, thank you. So you are going to start your own company. That's exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. Um, Yeah, I want to start my own business, but uh, I'm kind of worried about quitting my job and not having health care coverage. It doesn't really seem like there are many affordable options for the self-employed. That's that's because generally you're right. They're not. (laughs) Because what your employer pays, typically your employer is paying three quarters of the actual cost of providing health care to you. So when Mm -hmm. you start looking at buying your own coverage, you're like, what? It's that much a month? Yeah, I I know there's like some uh, programs out there, like if you don't make a certain amount that they'll um, give you like a percentage off but it seems like if you make like a decent amount a year I mean you're paying so much for medical coverage it almost doesn't seem worth it to have health insurance that's true until you got sick and then you're like wow I wish I had health insurance so it is it is really one of the great roadblocks to people leaving a company and going out on their own is the problem with availability and affordability of health care. So it mm-hmm. is a tough one. There is an option that has become increasingly popular for people who are entrepreneurs. And that's where you go into a religious-based um, risk pool or health cost sharing pool. It's not traditional health insurance. But there are a number of religious organizations that provide um, their version of health coverage that is not underwritten. You know, when you buy a health insurance policy like the one you get through your existing employer, or if you went on your own at healthcare.gov and bought a policy, you're going to have, um, let's just call it real insurance that... You don't have to worry the insurer is going to run out of money. Once you've met your deductibles, you're going to be covered. When you go right. into a healthcare cooperative, a religious-based healthcare cooperative, there will be limitations they can impose 
on what they cover, and they can run out of money if in one of the healthcare co-ops they end up with a bad run of people with really serious illnesses, they can get in a position where they can't afford to pay. But till that happens, the premiums are a tiny fraction of what they are with traditional health care, and you don't have the big deductibles that you would have buying a health care plan on your own. Are you a member of any religious organization that you might be able to inquire if there is a, a health co-op? Um, I'm not currently, but I mean, I definitely look into it. I think that's great advice. And that is, that's been my kind of go-to answer for entrepreneurs because the alternative of going without health coverage really makes me nervous. Now, the yeah. other alternative is that you buy what's known as a catastrophic policy where okay. you pay your own medical bills for routine stuff and you have a, a big deductible if something really does go wrong health-wise. But once you hit that catastrophic limit from that point forward, you're 100% covered for a catastrophic illness. Okay. And if, if you go to healthcare.gov, you can see information about the catastrophic policies and if any are available where you are. Okay. You know, uh, Clark, the other thing I was wondering is, uh, do they have any sort of health savings accounts for people who are not employed by a formal company? Well, actually, that's the largest market for HSAs. Really? Are people who are entrepreneurs who are self-employed. And um, there are certain, you have to buy a qualifying plan, a plan that has the right deductibles to be a qualifier for having a, an HSA. Okay. And then my favorite provider of HSAs these days is Fidelity Investments that has okay. uh, very low-cost HSA plans available. Another company I like for those is Lively, L-I-V-E-L-Y, and Vanguard indirectly sells one. If you go to Vanguard okay. and you search HSAs, they'll, uh, you can link over to the company that they cooperate with on HSAs. Okay. And you do have the option, but the price will blow your mind, of doing COBRA with your existing employer's plan for 18 months. But you have to pay the actual full cost that the employer pays for health care, not what they charge you now, and they pay most of the rest. You pay all of it if okay. you do a COBRA with your existing employer. And we'll get to a solution to the health care thing, particularly that protects entrepreneurs. We're just not there yet. Brenda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Clark. So, so Clark, I had a question for you. Yes. Um, so I am a divorced, I'm divorced, and I have a, a one child, only child, and she is 30 years old. And I was considering putting her on the deed of my home and was wondering if that was a good idea or not. I do have a will, which pretty much everything will be left to her because she's an only child. Um, but I was just wondering if I needed to, if I should do that or not. 
usually the answer is you don't want to add a child to your will I mean, to to your ownership of the home, you want to do it in the will as you have already. Okay. And the normal reason is because of taxes. But what I'm oh. going to recommend to you is, do you have a person who does your income tax or do you do them on your own? I have someone who does them. So this is a question you should ask the tax professional to see in your state if that would still be the right answer, that... You want to do it through the will and not through having her added uh, as a current owner of the property. Okay, because I was just concerned because she's not married at this point, but I'm sure, you know, she will be uh, in a few years. And so I wasn't sure. I wanted to make sure that the house stays with her. Right, like, which which you're able to control if you've named her as the beneficiary of that or the ultimate owner of that house in your will and in your state there may be another way you can title ownership of the home that at time of your passing it flows okay. to her outside of your will okay and so okay i would start with your uh your person who does your taxes for you but as a and remember this is very general what i'm saying right, right. now and your situation could be different you don't want to have an adult child be a co-owner of your house while you're living because of the disadvantage that happens with how taxes are calculated versus okay. a house passing at time of your death. Okay. But what we're hoping okay. is you're going to have a long, very long, <laughs> healthy life in front of you, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That would be okay. much better. Thank you. Thanks. Best to you. Okay. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's when you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask. And we've got multiple ways that we provide assistance to you if you post at clark.com slash ask. One is you may end up um, in a conversation with a member of Team Clark. That's our off-air advice line that we've had since February of 1993, where you can talk with a member of Team Clark. You also can check a box that you specifically want to talk to me on the show, or producer Joel can ask your question for you. I sure can, Clark. All and right. you do it so well. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And Bob has a question. He says, my wife and I are shopping for a new car, and we're looking at electric and hybrid vehicles specifically. Since we keep our cars for 10 years or more, 
We want to know how much it would cost to replace the batteries if they went bad. Recently, I found an article online that said the battery replacement for the Chevy Bolt was over $15,000. Is that true? That is possibly true. So with the electric vehicles, most manufacturers give you extremely long warranties on the battery, usually eight years or so. Um, The good news with the batteries is the developments for them have gotten so much more sophisticated, and I don't think we're long from when manufacturers will give 10-year-plus warranties on the batteries. Um, The only vehicle that I'm aware of that had extremely serious failures with their batteries is Nissan with the early model years of the LEAF that the battery packs failed at very high rates, but generally the batteries have proven to be extremely reliable and there's uh, apparently a new battery coming that will last for a million miles, which seems impossible. It means that you'd be moving, the vehicle would wear out way before the batteries, but 15,000, today that's possible. Uh, 10 years from now, based on the uh, price curve happening with batteries, the replacement would probably be more in the range of $5,000, like replacing an engine in a vehicle. All right, Clark, Nikki wrote in, speaking of cars, says, do you recommend working with an independent insurance representative to compare and find the best rate for home and car insurance and to help determine how much coverage is needed without being overinsured? Great question. I love for you to work with an independent agent. Independent agents are not as prominent in the marketplace as they used to be because so many insurers are what are known as direct writers now, where they either only sell over a toll-free number or they sell with what are known as captive agents like Allstate and State Farm do, where you only talk with people who sell just their insurance. An independent agent is somebody who can sell from multiple insurers is usually somebody who's very experienced. They're usually older, the people that are independent agents. And they can tell you, based on their knowledge and experience, what coverages make the most sense for your situation. All right, Clark and James wrote in. He says, on a recent podcast, you mentioned to a caller that your team would come up with an alternative service for debitize and debix, which have gone away. Have you found anything yet? We have found one called Steady Pay. S-T-E-A-D-I-P-A-Y dot com. SteadyPay dot com. It seems to be uh, fully in spirit. The same idea with debitize and debix where you get the protections of a credit card by using a credit card, but the financial discipline of making sure you're paying your bills and not running up any balances that you have with a debit card. And so... I hope that Steady Pay is very reliable and very successful. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.